2: What's up, Nets fans? Welcome to the Brooklyn Buzz, presented by OGGBasketball.com. I'm your host, Nick Faye. With me, as always, the great Jack Manuel and two special guests, Dylan Jackson, Evan Dial, bringing some Charlotte flavor. What's up, guys? Hey, Nick. Thanks for having me on.
3: Yeah, yeah. Thank you for having me as well. Uh, Good to be here.
4: Pleasure to be surrounded by such absolute greatness, Hornets greatness, Nets greatness. Mate, this is going to be a great pod. It is a
2: great pod, and we had our first trade of the offseason today. Brooklyn acquired Dwight Howard for Timothy Moskoff, two second-round picks, 45th in this draft upcoming on Thursday, and a 2021 second-round pick.
1: What was your reaction to the trade, guys? So I'll start with the Hornets' side. And basically, the reason they wanted to do this is to avoid the luxury tax for a team that won 36 games last season. So moving Dwight now will save us about $8 million. And even though, but picking up Moskoff hurts some more long-term salary outlook dwight made no sense on the team though it looks like rebuilding's going to happen in charlotte and uh, he just you know we wanted to open up more minutes for Hernan gomez as well looks like and zeller will probably resume his starting role uh it shows how little dwight's trade value is though i mean <laughs> <Yeah>. uh, <laughs> the fact that this is i'm sure we tried our hardest to get more and this is the best we could settle on i mean mozkov's totally useless at this point in his career And then a second rounder this year is kind of nice in the future. But the Nets, I would say, definitely won this trade. But it's not awful for Hornets. And I I get the thinking behind it. I mean, Dwight can still get 16 and 12. And then the Nets can dump him the next year. And they'll have mad space in 2019. So it's great for them. And for us, at least we have a little bit of wiggle room. So more rooms are coming, you know and we'll still try to dump salary, of course, but at least we won't be super near the tax and maybe might be able to get a a low tier free agent. So Nets win the trade to some, but not totally awful for the Hornets. I get it.
3: Yeah. My, my initial reaction was shock as a Hornets fan. Uh, I really, the press conference, the pre-draft press conference for Mitch Kupchak was yesterday. He said there wouldn't be much roster turnover. uh, So I wasn't expecting a big trade and, uh, really Dwight Howard, one of really our two best players, I guess, last year, besides Kemba Walker, who was an all-star. Uh, he averaged around 15 points, 12 rebounds. So I was I was pretty shocked. Uh what this trade does for Charlotte is is it opens up playtime for some of the young guys, Cody Zeller, Willie Hernan, and Gomez, uh stuff like that. We also get two picks, of course, and you know how Michael Jordan is with cash considerations. <laughs> so uh so we've got we got a lot of I, I would say a decent return. I didn't expect much. They tried to trade him before the deadline um in in the uh in the winter. So I I didn't really expect much on the Hornet side. I definitely think the Nets won. Uh they got they got rid of um Timothy Mozgov's contract, which was really, really bad. It was originally signed by Mitch Kupchak as well. <laughs>
5: yes. So that
3: that's been going on Twitter a lot recently today. <laughs> so I think you you open up two max slots for next off season for the Nets. Uh, I think they definitely won.
4: Yeah, for, as a Nets fan, Nick, um, it was it was surprising to say the least because I always had the bleacher notifications on, the Woj notifications on, and I was I looked at my I saw the name, I saw Woj on my eye. Now there's nothing happening right now. And then I go back to you know have, working on some articles, doing a bit of prep for, for some future pods, and then I see that this and it starts making the waves. The shock hits as um as the boys were saying. And it's positive shock. The initial is like, yes, I love this. And then I start to go, okay, well, then what is it exactly? What are those second rounders? Um, what is the cap sort of consideration uh, that, it, that sort of works out for Charlotte and Brooklyn? And, and as the boys are mentioning, you know, for Charlotte, it works a little bit in terms of the luxury tax style. Uh, Michael Jordan's never going to go into luxury tax, I feel like, unless he's got a, a perennial championship team. Um, and I don't think he's really going to get that anytime soon. So it makes sense uh, for their franchise. Uh, and and as for the Nets, you know, as as Dylan was mentioning, those two max spots uh, puts the Nets in a very enviable position going forward. Um, I mean, we already ha- we talked about on a a previous buzz about the sort of the space that they have this year, uh, and then going forward in in 2019 to be able to fit two max free agents, uh, it's certainly very interesting because you know uh, New York is definitely a franchise city, uh, and Brooklyn is on the rise, so plenty of uh, plenty of positivity for the Nets, and you know a little bit of there for Charlotte, but at the same time, you know. You get rid of the the uh, the locker room cancer, as he's often. I feel like it, that can't be a nickname, but like there needs to be some horrible nickname for Dwight. But get rid of Dwight, uh, get in a Russian center that apparently uh, Mitch Kupchak has a thing for. Um, <laughs> so it, it works out well for for both sides in, in different ways.
2: Yeah, no, definitely for both sides, and. I was amazed to see that Moskov was able to get traded. I did not expect that to happen over the next two years. Just the fact that they were able to do it without attaching a first-round pick was kind of incredible. And it's so ironic that Dwight is finally in Brooklyn. Obviously, yeah. it's been rumored to come here since, like, 2012 with Darren Williams, and now he's finally here at, like, you know, at the lower end of his career. But what what could Nets fans ex- expect from Dwight Howard
1: this season? What can he bring to the Nets team? So Dwight can still play a little bit. Um, there, he's obviously a pros and cons player. Um, I mean, as Dylan said, 15 and 12 last year, still shoots a good percentage, monster rebounder defense, not nearly the same as what he used to be when it's engaged though. It's still pretty good. The problems are the locker room issues just have just seemed to follow him wherever he goes. And I just don't know why he can't get his shit together with that. But <laughs> And then a lot from what I've heard complaints, from Hornets players and stuff, um, a lazy screen setter at time prefers just to get post ups or just face up uh, defense. He doesn't like to come out in the perimeter anymore, which is becoming more and more of an issue with you know a shooting league and pace in space. But you guys, I like. I mean, he can kind of help groom Jared Allen a little bit. It's only just probably a year for him anyway. Um, I think he could definitely open put up around the same numbers as last time. I doubt he would be cool coming off the bench for Allen, but he but he could still produce a little bit, but it's just like there's just some stuff you have to put up with, I I guess is the best way to put it.
3: I'm so hot and cold with Dwight Howard. He just didn't really fit the Charlotte mold. Uh, He's just not he's just not that screen setting type of center doesn't really fit the modern NBA. Five, 10 years ago, he would have been great. Uh, You know, today, it's just not the same NBA. But all in all, he's still a great, uh, maybe average center. And in the NBA, he puts up the stats. uh, But really, the advanced analytics is where he struggles.
4: Yeah, I think the... I'm going to I'm gonna back him up uh, a little bit. I know his name's been mentioned a little bit in, in other pods on, on Full Access Hoops and and on the outlet and stuff. Um, I, I, I've i always been a, a decent fan of Dwight. He is a future Hall of Famer, no matter what anyone wants to say. You know, he was fifth in uh, offensive rebounding last year, fourth for defensive rebounding and third in total rebounds, you know, third in blocks. Uh, he's a bit of a sort of stat stuffer, to say the least, and... Uh, Nick, I'm sure we talked about his game as well, that 30-30 game against our Nets. So at least we'd have to play against him this year. I guess that's one positive we can take away from it.
2: Yeah, for sure. And like you said, I've never been a huge Dwight guy. You know, I wasn't a big fan of them getting him. But in this situation, I don't really mind. And like you guys said, it's going to be interesting what happens because my personal preference would be Jared Allen starts and he comes off the bench. Do you think there's going to be a lot of issues with Dwight Howard in Brooklyn in terms of the locker room or if he has to come off the bench? He wouldn't,
1: I mean, I'll tell you straight up, he won't want to come off the bench. <laughs> that, um, But if you guys can uh, agree to have him do that, that's awesome, because that's probably his best role right now. Uh, in terms of locker rooms, I mean, it's like, who knows? I feel like it started off pretty well in Charlotte, and he had a good relation with Clifford, but then things kind of soured. And I know you guys are kind of a young team, so that could be an issue. I mean, I guess the only veterans on the is like Damari Carroll. So and, and Jay Lynn, yeah. Yeah, so I'm not sure. Um oh that's fun. Jay Lynn and Howard are reunited from future East <laughs> <Easton Easton> times. <laughs> yeah. So I'm not sure if there's someone who, who can hold him in check, but uh you know it's a kind of a hope for the best kind of thing in the locker room. You can't guarantee anything with him, honestly.
3: I completely agree with Evan. Uh, he started out the year great. Uh, he was he started off as a top 10 center in the NBA, just like the statistics and really playing uh, defensively. Yeah. He was great at the beginning of the year, but towards the end of the year, that's where he really struggled. I believe he was the only Hornet to actually play all of the games this year, if that tells you anything about his durability. Uh, so uh, just that that locker room cancerous thing. It's just on and off with me for him. Uh, really, anywhere he goes, they've all described him as cancerous in the locker room. So that's just plain and simple what you're going to get from him.
4: Yeah, I think locker room-wise, uh, you know, you can't deny it. The guy's been playing on that many different teams. You know, you, you, it, it takes two hands that you, uh, to actually count the amount of teams that he's been playing on in the past uh, half decade or so. Uh, I think locker room-wise, uh, we sort of sneak a little bit the Jeremy Lin thing, but I feel like, you know, doing a little bit of research on their sort of uh, past relationship and sort of reuniting. You know, there was a couple of years ago when he was on the Hawks and he gave the sort of fake dap um, to to Jeremy Lin uh, back when they were in Houston. Jeremy Lin posted a, a bit on Instagram of, and he seemed to be quite close with Dwight. Um, I think they've got this uh, this connection in terms of their religion. They have a, a solid connection there. Um, I feel like that could uh, be a positive thing. I feel like Jeremy Lin is underrated in his sort of locker room presence i feel like he can be a fun guy um and in terms of just the locker room uh, i like what the nets locker room culture has built over over the past sort of couple of years in sean marks and coach kenny have been in it uh but this will certainly be a test for it but you know at the end of the day you know if if he's if he's that much a, of an issue in the locker room um i feel like at the trade deadline uh, around that sort of february mark there's an opportunity that we can buy him out and, you know, send him to another team and, and they can deal with him because I'm sure another team will take him on um for, for a cheap sort of rate, you know. White Howard still can put some bums on seats, uh so to speak, if you want to get some ticket sales and that will certainly help the Nets in a way as well. But, you know, I don't think it's all doom and gloom in terms of the locker room, but uh it's certainly not positive.
2: Yeah, it's definitely something you got to keep an eye on. And like you said, Jack, if it really gets that bad, they can buy him out. But Evan and Dylan, anything you think Nets fans need to know about Dwight? I think the worst case
3: scenario you're going to you're going to pull a Knicks and JaKeem Noah him. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, wow. Um that, that is unfortunately possible. Uh I would be shocked to get there. Look, when Dwight's engaged and has a, you know, a fire lit under him, he can still dominate a game and take over like uh the Nets game you mentioned like, like he did have a few monster games this year. It just, I wouldn't, uh, you know, expect it on a consistent basis. There's, there are, there'll be some games when you can just tell, like, he's not really into it. But, it, and a lot of it, I think, will depend on how competitive the Nets are, honestly. With winning and things are going well, you'll get a better Dwight. But if things, you know, adversity happens, which it probably will, he, he can be frustrated easily.
4: I mean, come yeah. on, guys. He said he wanted to be like Tim Duncan. That's why he put the number 12 on his jersey. <laughs> come on, guys. If if he wants to be – that's his role model. That's who he's aspiring to be. Surely that's going to work out well for our, our Brooklyn Nets.
2: God bless. But uh, big thanks to Evan and Dylan for hopping on. Check those guys out on Twitter. Also check out their podcast. Evan's got Players Watch. Dylan's got Rookie Report. Both of the OTG podcast family. Big thanks, guys. Thanks, Nick. Take care, guys.
3: Yeah, thanks for having me. I uh, appreciate it a lot.
2: Like I said, big thanks to Evan and Dylan. Both guys, great podcast, big Hornets fans. They do some great coverage for OTG basketball. Also, the SB Nation Hornets site as well. But Jack, what do you think is going to happen with Dwight? Do you think they're going to start him? They're going to start Jared Allen? What do you think is going to happen with that situation?
4: Look, we had a bit of a chat in our DMs, Nick, as we like to do on a frequent basis. We are good friends. Uh, I do have friends. Thank you for listening, guys. I need this validation for this podcast. (laughs) Uh, but, it, I mean, we sort of differed in our views a little bit. Um, sort of like, uh, I'll piggybacking off a little bit what Evan and, and Dylan was saying. I don't see it as, a, as set in stone as Jared Allen's going to be starting. Um, he started towards the end of the season, showed some awesome flashes. Um, he had moments where he was in and out of games. Uh, he certainly didn't have that, you know, 82-game motor due to his college uh, history. But uh, as I, I think it was Dylan um, or, or, or Evan that mentioned, he did play all 82 games last season, Dwight. So he does have that longevity. His body is durable. Uh, he knows how to sort of get the most out of himself. Um, he's he's proven in this, in this league uh, in terms of, you know, playing games, putting up numbers in that sort of sense. Uh, I see at least early on that Dwight starts. Um, and who knows? We could see a Joe Kim situation. We could see a buyout situation. Um, but I, I feel like at a point it could turn uh, whether you know dwight develops a nice relationship with our front office and, and our coaching staff uh, when he, he embraces that sort of mentoring sort of leadership role uh, that could be thrust upon him um it's going to be interesting to see because i also don't mind the balance that um, these two sort of have in terms of the centers jared allen has ha- jared allen has that little bit of um, mobility in a sense where he can sort of switch on the perimeter uh and whereas uh, Dwight Howard is a sort of better rim runner uh, and, and a better sort of you know, defensive guy. And Jared Allen's screening is a lot better. We sort of um, talked it and remarked about it in senses about how his dexterity in that sort of role. So I don't mind the balance between these two. Um, I certainly don't. Um, I, I prioritize the development of Jared Allen over almost anything in this franchise right now because as Spencer did when he mentioned, he's a top five possible center in this league. Um, but having Dwight could be a positive. I'm a, I'm a glass half full guy, as I mentioned before.
2: Yeah, I think personally, my preference, if I was in charge, I'd make sure Jared Allen was starting. I think he like you said, he's probably the surest thing in this franchise in terms of who's going to be the, you know, an all star type player. And I think Jared Allen's almost a lot to do that if he continues, you know, the rise that he's on right now. But I could see Dwight not being happy about it. I think it's going to be a big job of the coaching staff in the front office because I think it actually could benefit Dwight. I think, you know, he did play all 82 games. But if you watch some of the Hornets games or, you know, last year, the two seasons ago when he was on the Hawks in the postseason, he runs out of gas sometimes. He runs out of gas in the fourth quarter. They also mentioned his perimeter defense. You know, if he's fully energized and only playing, you know, in the high 20s maybe, he's going to play a lot better and he's going to be a monster on the boards.
4: In terms of that production, it's also a contract year for Dwight. And, you know, if he's wanting to sort of get the most out of himself and, you know, get that payday, um, I feel like he's going to have to play play nice with with the Brooklyn franchise. But at the same time, you know, if he's only getting, you know, 18 to 22 minutes a night, is he going to be able to get that sort of uh, payday that he's looking for? I mean, he already got it in terms of uh, the elevator contract that he's currently on, but he's still got a couple of years left in him as, as his sort of um, health. Uh, indicates, but, you know, it, it's going to be uh, an interesting watch, interesting one going forward.
2: Yeah, because like you said, you know, does he want to go for the big payday or does he want to work on his reputation? Because like you guys had mentioned, he's been on so many different teams. He's been known as a locker room cancer. You know, does he want to be play nice with the Nets and do what they ask him to do, be a great mentor for Jared Allen, maybe work on being a bench role? Like, I think he could be really good in a bench role. Obviously, there's no guarantee. And also the other reason I like starting Jared Allen, like you mentioned, his mobility – Not only offensively, but defensively, I think he sets the Nets up up better to be a lockdown defensive team. Dwight's not the same defensive center he was. He still has nice flashes, but mobility-wise, pick-and-roll defense is already a problem, especially with somebody like D'Angelo. So having Dwight, who's going to sit back on screens, you're just going to get killed. You know what I mean? There's like no chance in defending a a D'Angelo and a Dwight defending a pick-and-roll.
4: Yeah, it's certainly not going to be the most uh, defensively savvy sort of uh, duo in in those two, but... Look, there's a, there's an element of excitement to this sort of trade in the sense, like you mentioned, Nick. You know, two thousand it goes back as far as 2011, the sort of Dwight Howard, uh, Brooklyn Nets history. So there is it's seven years too late to an extent, but at the same time, I'm glad we didn't make that trade. Uh, but we did do another horrible one anyway. So the fact that we could get um, Dwight Howard in in a Brooklyn Nets uniform, uh, seven years uh, into the, beyond uh, what he was expected to be, you know, it's 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 fun times, and uh, I mean, it's going to be entertaining uh, if anything.
2: Yeah, and like you said, it'll bring some uh, fans to the seats. You know, Dwight still has some hype. He says a name to sell. Like, my girlfriend messaged me, she like, are you hyped the Nets got Dwight? And I was like, it's more of a money move. She was like, yeah. at least they got rid of Mozgov. I hate him. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I'll right there She's with you. Keeper. She's a keeper. <laughs> so Mozgov, let's talk a little about him leaving. I felt like this was a great move, not only because of the contract, but the last few weeks he's been talking trash about Kenny and the Nets organization, and that just isn't acceptable with the culture the Nets are trying to set.
4: Yeah, Dwight Howard average average 16 and 12 and 81 games last season. Timofey Moskov averaged four and three and 31. I like those numbers in terms of Dwight Howard uh, over Timofey Moskov. The the contract is better. Timothy is a. I mean, we we're talking um, at length about you know, Dwight Howard being a locker room sort of cancer. Timofey was certainly starting to become that, and we aren't even playing games yet. Um, we're in the offseason. Yeah. He's he's a locker room cancer. Um, I feel like you know if I would much rather if if we you giving me. You know, either of these guys for next season, and you, you take their contracts out of it. I would still probably take you know for one season alone. I would still probably take Dwight over Timofey Mozgov. Um, yes, I guess um you could argue that like we were talking about with Jared Allen, Dwight could stunt the the growth and development in that sense, and Timofey sort of was usurped within you know the first couple of games to, to Tyler Zeller, and then uh, later on when he was traded to to Jared Allen. Um, so there's positives and negatives to both, but um I. I love the fact that he's gone. Um, we we trashed him a plenty on this pod, and with due course, like he deserved it. Um, he doesn't belong in today's modern NBA. I mean, Dwight Howard doesn't to an extent either, but at least Dwight Howard can rebound and can at least move and can at least block the ball. Tim Faye, you know, does not have any mobility whatsoever, and uh, good riddance um, to him because he was trashing our boy, Coach Kenny, and our and our franchise. And you know, we don't need that in Brooklyn.
2: Yeah. And the fact that he was questioning why he wasn't playing, you know, like respectfully, I understand you're confident you're an NBA player, but you could watch the tape and see why you weren't playing. It wasn't like, you know, the Nets were ridiculous for benching. You You couldn't make a layup. You couldn't defend anything. Why would they keep you on the floor? There was really no point. But talking about why the Nets really made this move was to open up money for next year and get rid of that Mozgov contract. Not only did they get rid of a, a guy who didn't like the franchise and complain about the coach, but now there's a chance they could have possibly two max spots going to the next offseason. What are your thoughts on that and how exciting is it
4: oh it's insane Nick when was the last time we heard the Nets in any sort of uh future prospects to getting in, in free agents you know 33 million dollars projected on the book so that's only guaranteed so there's Alan Crab's contract, um there's Jared Allen's contract rookie contract uh Levert's uh rookie contract and Whitehead if he's still there um we talked about that on, on the buzz we don't think he'll be there and then there'll be some restricted Um, rights for uh, D'Angelo Russell and um, Ronda Hollis-Jefferson. So those two may complicate things in a sense if they're still with the Nets, depending on D'Angelo's season. So, I mean, I'm I'm all for giving D'Angelo the money if he deserves it. But at the end of the day, you know, we can create over $70 million of cap room um, which is more than enough for two max contracts. You know, Everyone's talking about the Lakers right now, and they're trying to create that sort of amount of money to to lure their sort of guys. They're trying to get li- rid of Luau Dang's contract. We got rid of one of the guys that the Lakers sort of um, got rid of to create that extra cap room. Um, so we're in a, a, a really enviable spot. Um, I know that, you know, like I mentioned, New York is certainly a franchise destination. And you know, for guys like Kyrie Irving, Jimmy Butler, Clay Thompson, uh, all these: Kemba Walker, uh, Kevin Love, Chris Middleton, Kawhi Leonard. Kawhi Leonard. All these guys could be knocking, could be calling up Sean Marks soon enough. Um, it's certainly exciting to finally have the Nets uh, as a respected and uh, envied franchise.
2: Yeah. And what, you know, it's nice seeing the Nets be more relevant in those type of talks. And like you mentioned, you know, I believe what they can do with D'Angelo and that will almost won't even impact it. I'm not a salary cap expert, but they could sign the two guys for the max spots and then sign D'Angelo after because they'll have his bird rights and he'll be restricted free agent. So yeah. they could really finagle that depending on like what they do with a cap hold. But still, the Nets could really be in a great position. And like you mentioned, having Jared Allen and Karis LeVert, two great complementary players, the big star, same thing with Allen Crabb as well you know, they're going to be in a great position. And even if they were only able to land one big time free agent, the franchise is in a lot better shape, especially with the young talent they have. So super exciting in that front as well. And Sean Mark's like, The fact that he got rid of Moskov without giving anything with true value, like they still have another pick in the second round, I believe at the 40th pick, and they have other second round picks they've acquired in different trades. So the Nets are in great shape in terms of they'll have their draft pick back next year. Now they're building up their assets. They're building up their cap space. Like they're just – I couldn't imagine that being this position, you know, just when Sean Marks took over. He's done an incredible job. You know, not to like really ride him that hard, but still like Sean Marks has been incredible at GM for Brooklyn.
4: Yeah, it's already, you know, we talked about, you know, his sort of status around the league already is gaining traction. The fact that we are in, you know, the fact he's able to finagle such uh, wondrous moves that create such cap room, um, the buy low sort of things on getting guys like uh, Dante Cunningham turning Tyler Zeller into a second round pick you know, reforming Damari Carroll and turning him to a possible sort of uh, trade uh, prospect. You know, all these things that um, Sean Marks has done in such a short space of time uh, makes him the envy of the NBA. I know I was having a bit of a a back and forth with Matt Peoples on Twitter. He's like, you know, we need that GM. Can we borrow him for a little bit? Um, (laughs) Out in Philly. Uh, He's a Philadelphia 76ers fan. So, you know, it's awesome to see um, the Nets being more respected. Um, In terms of my tenure since being a Nets fan, uh, it hasn't been this promising since the initial moment of that Billy King trade, but we won't go back to that because it's brighter brighter days ahead. Yeah,
2: best case scenario, if you could pick one of the free agents of next year, if you can pick one of the max free agents, assuming they don't get two, which they possibly could, who would it be? Uh,
4: well, to be honest, it would probably be Kevin Durant, but I, I don't see that happening. Uh, LeBron James will probably do a one-on-one, one, so those are the two top ones. Um, I'd love to see... uh, I'd love to see... It's hard to say it because it's such a great... Um, I mean, Kawhi Leonard, for me, if he's healthy, uh, is one of the only guys in the NBA that can make LeBron James scared. Uh, there was a video sort of making the rounds yet again of uh, Kawhi coming um, subbing in uh, during that Miami series and LeBron James turning around and him sort of muttering to himself, oh, S word. And it's just <laughs> like the the impact that Kawhi had, Leonard has when he's at his best. He is a top two, top three player, MVP candidate, Defensive player of the year candidate. Um, I, I think we have short memories in the sense of how good Kawhi Leonard is uh, a lot of people. So Kawhi would certainly be uh, right at the top of that list if, if he's available. Um, and who knows, if the Nets sort of have a decent enough year um, and Kawhi, you know, sort of signs a one-year deal uh, wherever he is um, and doesn't decide to sort of... Maybe he stays in San Antonio one more year uh, out of respect for Pop uh, in, in that sort of sense. I mean, he'd be fun, uh, but there's... You know Clay Thompson as well. I mean, I've always been. I've said before, I'm not a huge fan of the Golden State Warriors, but a uh, Brooklyn Clay would be uh, a pretty awesome. You know, we could turn Brooklyn Clay could could become a viral thing. You know, China Clay. Let's make a Brooklyn Clay. So there's yeah. just so, so many things, uh, so many possibilities Nick.
2: Yeah, and Jimmy Butler's really intriguing too. Like I love yeah. the toughness he could bring as well. You know, if you're not able to get one of those guys, how amazing would it be if they got LeBron? Obviously, that's a dream, but everybody can dream a little bit. But uh, last last predictions, what do you think is going to happen with Dwight this season? Do you think he's going to stay? Is he going to get bought out? Is he going to have a good season? What's going to happen with him?
4: Look, I think he's going to have a solid enough season. I feel like we're going to see plenty of Instagram posts from him, plenty of Snapchats from him, from him and Jeremy Lin. Um, he, he, I feel like those two are going to uh, develop a really cool romance um, as they sort of had a little bit in, in Houston, as I was sort of mentioning earlier. I feel like there's going to be positivity towards Dwight Howard's tenure. Um. I'm going to go the fact that, you know, he may get bought out uh, at that trade deadline. I feel like Sean Marks uh, is going to create that little bit of more space. You know, it could happen to even Damari Carroll as well. Lots of sort of guys in our roster uh, are in the sort of realm of, you know, creating that extra cap space. Um, but one little tidbit, I, I, this was David Roth on Twitter. Apparently, I'm not sure if this is true, this was tweeted out and made the rounds. Dwight Howard was seen roaring with laughter at the Shake Shack across the street from Barclays Center. And he was watching SpongeBob SquarePants and he's on his phone at peak volume and he wasn't even ordering anything. (laughs) I don't know if that's true, but it just sounds like Dwight Howard in a nutshell. And you know, if we're hanging out at Shake Shack anytime soon, Nick, uh down at down at Barclays, then I'm sure we're gonna be spotting Dwight soon.
2: Yeah, definitely. And Dwight just seems like a funny guy. Like you said, there is a chance he gets bought out. I feel like he's actually going to have a solid season with the Nets and they're going to keep him throughout. And I think it could end up making them more competitive. Like Dwight is still a solid player, like we mentioned earlier on. But last question, Jack, actually, before we get out of here, one more thing. What do you think is going to happen with the rest of free agency? Obviously, this trade is going to eat up a lot of the cap space. They might just have enough money to sign your boy Joe Harris and that's about it.
4: Yeah, it look, it looks interesting. Nick. This might—I'm not sure if this is the last thing that the Nets do. Um, I'm not sure we can take on in terms of financially wise. You know, those sort of salary dumps like Kenneth Freed, or Tart, uh, John Henson, maybe uh, might be the probably only likely one. So it seems unlikely that the Nets are sort of a a trading ground for, for that sort of sense. But I feel like sure Max has got something up his sleeve. Um, and Charlotte probably uh, in the moves. Uh, in the in the lights of, of doing something as well, but I, I feel like there's something else that could happen. Um, we don't know, um, Short and Mark. We didn't, we had no idea that this was going to happen. As a lot of the deals that are sort of early on in the trade, sort of de- uh, around the trade uh, around the draft, mind you, sorry, um, they sort of come out of nowhere. The, the D'Angelo one did. This one certainly did. There were rumors we talked about on our last offseason pod about you know Dwight being part of a package for the number eleven pick. Now we got Dwight. We didn't get that eleven pick as we wanted, um, but. I feel like something's going to happen. It, I, f- I can feel it in my bones.
2: Yeah, no, definitely. It has a vibe that something's going to happen on draft night. I mean, I think it's almost more likely now that they trade Dinwiddie or Rondé Hollis-Jefferson trying to move up a little bit more. I think they're interested in getting the teams. They've been a team connected to... A lot of the draft trades. And obviously, you know, there was some talk about the Nets making a move in Hornets, but we didn't we weren't didn't know it was going to be this deal right here. But Jack and I'll be back with more offseason pods. We're going to give you a draft recap this weekend, and I'm sure we'll be breaking down any more trades that happen. As always, thank you for listening. Jack, thank you for hopping on and big shout out to Evan and Dylan for hopping on. And you can check out all of our shows on iTunes, Bog Talk Radio, OTG
0: Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns.